StarCast Network. Come to the dark side of podcasts. We have cookies. Cookies? We love cookies. (laughs) What is Cause of Crime? Cause of Crime is a true crime podcast that focuses on the cause of each crime. We focus on the killers. We focus on the disappearances. We focus on the murderers. We focus on parties that could be responsible. We dive into theories. We dive into different things that could have happened. But we also give our opinions. And we banter. And we talk about it. And we give different points of view because we're different people. Our primary focus at Cause of Crime is to focus on the victims and their stories and keep them alive. Keep their stories going. Keep their memories going. If they're long gone from this world or we just don't even know what happened to them, we want to keep them talked about. And that is our singular goal. My name is Tracy and I'm the primary host and creator of Cause of Crime. I created this podcast for this reason and one reason only, to keep talking about people that need to be talked about to keep doing this and using my voice to make sure I'm making some kind of difference. So if you'd like to join us and dissect each cause of crime with us, you are more than welcome to do so. My co-hosts are Dan and Chris, and they alternate each week. You can check us out on all podcasting platforms at 11 a.m. on every Wicked Wednesday, and you can join the Abnormals. It's fun here. Join us, won't you? Hey, this podcast discusses murder, sex, crimes. It's not suitable for everyone. And I drop swear words once in a while. Okay, you've been warned. Hey there, Rainbow Warriors, and welcome to Beyond the Rainbow, true crimes of the LGBTQ+. It's me, your host, CJ. You may have seen my posts on the socials, but again, I would like to thank Rapmon3 for their five-star review on Apple, and for the words that made me feel better about the one star I received. You can find me on the socials as Rainbow Crimes and Darkcast Network just about everywhere. The True Crime Paranormal Festival is coming up the end of August in Austin, Texas. Be sure to bring your pretty faces there to meet me and a bunch of other awesome podcasters in person. I'll leave a link to the website in my show notes. And be sure to type in BEYOND, B-E-Y-O-N-D, for 15% off your tickets. And please consider joining my Patreon where for under the cost of a Starbucks coffee, you can support this one-woman researched, written, recorded, and edited show. You'll get early release episodes, commercial-free episodes, and an extra episode at the end of every month that I've not covered here on the regular show. And I will name a unicorn here at the Seabreeze Studio Stables just for you. If you provide your mailing address, I'll also send you some free goodies from this show and Turdcast Network. What a friggin' bargain for $5 per month. If anyone out there runs a small online business and you're interested in partnering with Darkcast Network, have I got news for you. 
because I believe in the old-fashioned barter system, some of the Dirtcast team will create and run ads on their shows for your business. In return, we'll send you some Dirtcast business cards and stickers, and then you would include those cards and stickers in any purchases made from your site. If this sounds like something you might like to do, please contact CJ at DirtcastNetwork at gmail.com. Let's work together and get small businesses seen. And if you'll please excuse any sounds you might hear in the background. I'm dog-sitting again for ten days. They just had a barking episode. I had to stop recording and start again. The boy dog, he likes to whine a lot. Just about anything. He's hungry, he has to go out potty, he has to go for a walk, but he also whines for nothing at all. Today is May 20th. I don't usually tell you the date because I pre-record, but today is May 20th and it's my Nilla's birthday and my mom's birthday in heaven. But tonight, Nilla gets a hamburger because it's her birthday burger. And I think living alone for nearly two years is finally getting to me. I was peeling hard-boiled eggs the other day, and I was cracking dad jokes and puns in my head. I had one egg ask another if it was peeling okay. And the other egg answered back, Yeah, want to get laid? Does anyone else do things like this, or just me and my craziness? There's some things I shouldn't share with you guys, and that was probably one of them. Anyhow, let's get into the stories of this episode. I came across an LGBTQ missing but not forgotten person quite accidentally. This person is a 16-year-old trans man who's endangered missing from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I think what upsets me the most is this case was posted on Twitter and I found exactly two articles on it. Everything, in spite of noting this missing child preferred he-him pronouns, refers to him as her and uses his dead name. Shame on media for not learning their lessons yet. And if they receive their information from this child's family, that could give us insight into why this child is missing as well. The missing is named River Bancosi, and he is missing from his home at the 5600 block of Astoria in Colorado Springs. This happened just a few weeks ago on April 22nd around 11 a.m. The reason River is considered endangered is due to River needing to take medication daily, and I don't know that a silver alert was ever put out on River either. River is 5'4", 115 pounds, has short brown hair and brown eyes. And really, that's about all the information available on River. If you know anything about River's whereabouts, you're urged to call Crime Stoppers tip line at 1-800-222-8477. Now this episode is going to be a little bit different. Normally I share a heinous crime with y'all and as many details as I can dig up. But this episode, I'm going to share very little about the crime itself, and instead I want to tell you more about one of the victims in this senseless crime. I'd like to share the story of a gay man who lived in Rialto, California. This is in the southern part of the state, somewhere near Los Angeles. 
he was 42-year-old Daniel Kaufman. His full name was Larry Daniel Eugene Kaufman, but he went by Daniel, which was the title of his birth mother's favorite song by Elton John. Daniel was adopted by his aunt and uncle, and they raised him from a very young age. Articles here conflict. One say that his birth parents died, and the other says Daniel was born prematurely, and he only weighed two pounds, but he was born to a homeless, alcoholic birth mom, and then he was removed from her custody and put with his aunt and uncle, who all his life were just like his parents. His cousin was more like a brother. Daniel was a little older than his cousin, and he taught his cousin how to tie his shoelaces and eventually how to shave. Daniel became a history buff pretty quickly in life as his aunt and uncle ran a museum. Daniel had a soft spot for the underdog always. He'd nurse sick plants back to health. He'd bring home stray or injured animals and nurse them back to health. Cats, birds, and even bringing home an injured duck once and letting it live and swim in the family's pool. Daniel grew up to be a big goofball, standing nearly six feet tall and weighing about 195 pounds. He was an adorable man from pictures and descriptions of his personality. He was the guy at the grocery store holding up the line because he was talking to people. The guy who the saying, he never met a stranger, was crafted for. Daniel was well adored by nearly everyone who knew him. Daniel loved comic books, scary movies, but he especially loved the Renaissance Fair that he attended every year. This would be a nod to his love of history as well. He was a respected member of the St. Colbert Guild, a Renaissance group. And this is where he was an expert pony dancer and the active leader of Banner Bearers. Daniel was also very passionate about making people laugh. It was almost as if it were his life mission to bring joy to people. If someone was having a shitty day, he'd make it his goal to turn that around for that person. He was compassionate. He was outgoing and giving. And you might be wondering why I'm speaking about Daniel in the past tense. Daniel was brutally taken from the living world in 2015, along with 13 others. All these people happened to be at the San Bernardino Inland Regional Center for People with Disabilities on December 2nd, 2015. Daniel was employed by a company called Coffee and More, and he worked for them for about five years. He was dressed in the company's uniform, black dress shoes, khaki pants, and a black polo shirt with the Coffee and More logo. Daniel was tending the coffee cart at the facility the morning of December 2nd, 2015. He would also teach and train people with disabilities to work for the company as well, and I think that shows another softer side of Daniel. He loved helping people, and he had the patience of a saint. Around 11 a.m. that morning, a man and a woman of Middle Eastern descent, I think Pakistani is what I read, they appeared at the facility in dark tactical gear carrying assault rifles. The couple opened fire, killing 14 people and injuring at least 17 others with their spray of gunfire. 
and then they fled in a black SUV. If you'd like to know more about this mass shooting, which I won't be delving into, please check out my Season 7, Episode 7. It's an episode that I borrowed from the show Active Shooter, and they covered the San Bernardino case in full. Now, going back a little to 7 a.m. in the morning of December 2nd, Daniel's boyfriend of three years named Ryan dropped Daniel off at the Inland Regional Center for work. Daniel refused to get a driver's license based on the fact he didn't want to miss out on the little extra time in the car with Ryan. Over the next few hours, they exchanged texts and pics with each other. And that's when Daniel didn't have any customers, or he wasn't working with any of his trainees at the time. The last communication with Ryan came at 10.37, and Daniel sent Ryan a picture of him and a new friend that he had met at a comic book conference. About an hour later, Ryan received a text message from his sister. Hey, Ryan, doesn't Daniel work at the Inland Center in San Bernardino? Check the news. Ryan turned on the television. For hours, Ryan frantically tried to get Daniel to pick up his phone. A text. Anything. Family members were also trying Daniel's phone, as was his boss. No one could reach Daniel. For the next 22 hours, Daniel's boyfriend Ryan and Daniel's family waited as they received conflicting news about their beloved Daniel. It was a merry-go-round of misinformation and false hope. Ryan heard survivors of the shooting were being taken to a local community center, so Ryan rushed there to wait. A few hours later, a cousin of Daniel's posted that he was shot in the arm but he would survive, and that she had received that information from the girlfriend of one of Daniel's disabled employees that he had trained. Just after that, officials at the community center confirmed a similar story that Daniel was in surgery but he was out of danger. Although not one person could tell Ryan or Daniel's family which hospital Daniel was at. The family and Ryan called all the local hospitals and even the neighboring hospitals. Each hospital said that they didn't have him. That night, the community center said that no more buses of survivors were coming in and those who had been murdered were still at the crime scene. Officials asked Ryan for a description of Daniel. At the end of the 22 hours of not knowing anything, Ryan and Daniel's family finally started to get answers. That morning, around 11 a.m., Daniel had been in the courtyard eating lunch with several other people. Now, I tried to hunt down a layout of the facility because it's a pretty big place but I was out of luck. I imagine the courtyard is inside, and it's somewhat like a food court, like at a mall. In fact, there is an Inland Center Mall in San Bernardino. However, the Inland Regional Center and the mall have two different addresses, although they might be in close proximity to each other. But the courtyard was where he was eating, and it was near the coffee cart so he can keep an eyeball on it. And that's when the gunfire started. Daniel began yelling at people near him. 
Get out! Go! Get out now! Go! Hurry! And as he was barking commands, he was pushing people out of harm's way. He was pushing people towards the doors. And then a bullet ripped through Daniel, killing him. Daniel has been credited with saving at least four people that day. And there might have been more. He is a hero for rescuing those people, who if he didn't push out, they would have ended up with the same fate as Daniel. Daniel was laid to rest in a private ceremony of family and close friends, and of course Ryan, and this was on December 10th, eight days after Daniel was murdered. His Renaissance group held a large memorial for Daniel at the Santa Fe Dam in California. Rest in power, Daniel. Our true crime quickie this episode is... Wait a second. If it's all the same to you guys, we've had enough doom and gloom for the LGBTQ plus community to last many lifetimes. Since this was kind of a different episode anyway, instead of a true crime quickie, let's skip the true crime quickie and send this episode out with some good news stories of the LGBTQ plus. A group in Memphis, Tennessee called My Sister's House They're building little houses for the homeless trans people population. The project broke ground in January 2021, starting with 20 houses. Kayla Gore is the founder of My Sister's House and a public health counselor. She said she's found herself homeless in the past, but has since got her life uprighted and has taken into her own home 60 homeless trans people in the past few years. Good job, Kayla. Last year, a queer teenager and activist was made fun of by Florida Republican Representative Matt Getz. I know, big surprise, right? The teenager is 19-year-old Olivia Juliana, and Olivia was protesting anti-abortion laws. Apparently, the Republican representative said, It's always the odious 5'2", 350-pound women that nobody wants to impregnate who rally for abortion. Olivia spouted back on Twitter, first by reminding everyone Matt Getz is an alleged pedophile, and then further stating, I'm actually 5'11", 6'4", in heels. I wear them so small men like you can remember your place. (laughs) God, I love this girl. And you probably have all heard the saying that the best revenge is success. Well, Olivia got her revenge. Not just through her words, but she ran a successful fundraiser for pro-choicers. And she raised $1.4 million for the cause. Yay, Olivia! On June 15, 2022, an Alaska Airlines flight attendant proposed to her pilot girlfriend of two years. She took the in-flight microphone and she asked her beloved to marry her. She started by telling all the passengers how they met aboard an Alaska Airlines flight to San Francisco. And the rest is history. The passengers cheered and applauded. And when the commotion settled, the flight attendant got down on one knee in front of her betrothed and said, My goddess, with you I'll go to the skies. Would you do me the honor of being my wife? 
and then she pulled a small ring box out of the side of her dress and opened it, presenting a ring to her pilot girlfriend. The two kissed and the flight attendant put the ring on her pilot's finger. Of course, it was such a touching and romantic moment, like a scene from a movie, really. The pilot later divulged that she was planning on proposing to the flight attendant, and when they landed the plane, she did. Congratulations, you two. In Colombia, South America, a gay couple was ran out of a park because they shared a kiss. An angry mob gathered when they were kissing, and that mob chased them out. One woman of the mob was even wielding a broomstick. And this happened only in August of last year. An LGBTQ support system went into effect on social media after seeing a video of this angry mob who were chasing these poor gay men. The support system organized what they called a basoton, a kissathon, if you will, and they held it at the same park that the two men were ran out of. It was a massive amount of people that showed up to kiss. Many of them had signs saying things like, Kissing is a sign of affection, not a crime. And we want to be able to kiss without being monitored. And there were tons of rainbow paraphernalia everywhere. Way to go, LGBTQ community in Colombia. I think your basoton was absolutely an awesome idea. And I may have told you this before, but the coastal town I live in in Oregon... Well, there's a shit ton of Trump supporters here, and it seems like a bunch of redneck hillbillies. There's tons of American flags up everywhere, and there's even some of the old kind from back in the Civil War days, and I forget what they're called, Union Jack or something like that. But anyway, a young straight man living in Oklahoma. See, you already think this is not going to be a nice story, because a young straight man in Oklahoma... It doesn't sound very promising, does it? But really, just wait for it. This young man's name is Cody Barlow. And from a picture I saw, he looks like he could be a redneck cowboy. And he just might be. But he has such a good heart. He decorated the tailgate of his truck with a rainbow pride flag. And the words, Not all country boys are bigots. And I think that's a great reminder. I guess not all of them are. Kudos to you, Cody. Now there's a sweet story about a teenage boy who was on the phone with his boyfriend, Mike. His dad overheard his son's conversation with Mike about coming out to his parents. The following day, his dad left him a note, and it read, Nate, I overheard your conversation with Mike about your plans to come out to me. The only thing I need you to plan on is to bring home orange juice and bread after class. We're out, like you now. I've known you were gay since you were six years old. I've loved you since you were born. P.S. Your mother and I think you and Mike make a cute couple. Oh, that's such a good dad. And now I have a good mom story. As college sprinter Ben Lindemann wrote in a personal essay for Outsports, Never in a million years did I think I'd come out over a vacuum discount. But that's exactly what happened. 
For years, Ben's mother weighed purchasing a $700 Dyson. And at the time, Ben was acquainted with an employee at Dyson. It was someone he met over an unspecified dating app. This guy could score a $500 discount on the vacuum, but he would only do it under one condition. Ben had to come out. And so Ben did. His mom's response to all of it? I still love you with all my heart. In the vacuum? It works great. The story I would like to end this episode on happened in October of 2016. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who a lot of us know as Mormons. As you can imagine, a Mormon church might not be the most welcoming place to come out. But that's exactly what one 12-year-old girl did. She's been named only as Savannah. And here's what she stood up and said one day at her church. No part of me is a mistake. I do not choose to be this way, and it's not a fad. I cannot make someone else gay, and being around me won't make anyone else this way. I believe that God wants us to treat each other with kindness, even if people are different. I couldn't find what the reaction of her congregation was, but if I had been there, which I wouldn't have been because... You know how I feel about organized religion. But had I been there, that 12-year-old child would have received a huge standing ovation from me. I hope you all agree. It's nice to hear some sweet, heartwarming stories of the LGBTQ plus community once in a while. I love you, Rainbow Warriors. You matter. Don't let anyone dim your light or try to rain on your parade. And remember... It's not a crime to be gay, bi, trans, or to live your truth, unless you're a murderer.